Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. This morning, I would like to continue to talk about the abounding life. This is one of the series in our preaching here. We have preached so many series. I want to encourage all of you to take advantage of the lesson that we taught in the past many years. We have both MP3, we can burn CD, and some of them are in internet, in the YouTube, and in podcast. You can listen. I want to encourage you to listen series by series. Many good series, like Great Grace, Led by the Spirit, the series called Way of Victory, the series Demonology, Your Unseen Enemy, The File of God, the series about honoring the Lord, many, many series that you should educate yourself. Don't waste all this series away. Just listen and learn. I admit to you that I grow because I get into the Word of God. Every year, I build up more precept upon precept upon precept. The more I know, the better I serve the Lord and the more mature I become in my faith walk. So we all need to be diligent to hear the Word of God, to get into the Word of God and grow together. And I believe that each series that I preach here in this house was given to this house. So if God gave to you, you should respond to God by receiving what He gave to you. I will continue today again about abounding life. I'm going to talk about the God of more than enough today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Listen to this scripture carefully. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God gives grace to you to have abundance, not that you will enjoy the numbers in the bank account, but so that you can do God's work or good works. In King James Version, the Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. The Bible talks about God here. Do you believe in God? This scripture will mean nothing if you don't believe in God. I remember when I was a young man, I was so foolish that I did not believe in God. I believed in evolution when I was a young boy. And in the medical school. If I can believe in God, I can believe that He is able. I was so foolish when I was young because in Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and they have done abominable works, and there is none who does good. People say that, I don't believe in God. I believe in science. But I want to tell you right now, there is no true science 
apart from God. All true scientific fact agree with God's truth. For example, we discovered the Earth is sphere. It was mentioned 2,700 years ago. Actually, more than that, 4,000, 5,000 years ago, that the Earth is round. So the scientific fact goes along with the biblical truth. Some people say, "I don't believe in God that God created man. I believe in evolution." I want to tell you right now, evolution is not science. Evolution is just an hypothesis. There are two words in the science scientific world. One word called theory. Theory means something you can prove in the laboratory setting again and again and again. You have to prove it. That is theory. But there is another word called hypothesis. There's somebody who thinks that they are smart, come up with an idea, and that idea is called hypothesis. Until he can prove in the laboratory, in the test tube, that that idea. Is correct, and I have seen crooked scientists already in my life, who tried to do laboratory thing, and they did not report what they find. They report wrong thing, and they think that they are right, but actually they totally lied. I was in at the University of Washington. I saw with my own eyes that somebody come up with the idea, and the test in their laboratory did not support at all. But they still print in the journal. That this is a theory, but actually it's not. It's just hypothesis. Evolution is the hypothesis. Some people say I don't believe that the universe came into existence after God spoke. I want to say one thing. The main word is the word believe. You either believe in the creation, the creator, or you believe in the hypothesis of evolution. Both of them are faith. Think about this: both evolution and creation depends on faith, belief, or faith. You believe in something, is that right? You believe in something. You believe that that chair will not break when you sit down. That's why you sit down. Every time I fly, I believe that the pilot can take me. To the destination, I need to believe in the pilot; otherwise, I would not be there. Do you believe that the universe is so well designed, so beautiful, and so detailed? And how can you believe that this well-designed universe come into existence by chaotic explosion and some material smashing each other? I went to Maui. In May, and I saw many flowers. Let me show all these flowers. So many flowers. Look at how beautiful that flower. Next, another kind of flower. So many kinds. Go on, flowers. Another kind of flowers. Look at that beautiful color. Look more flowers. More flowers. Oh, look at that! Have you ever seen this one? Another one. Look at that flower. Is it interesting? Look at that one. So well designed. 
Look at the color, the beauty of the universe, the design of God. In detail, this is another one. Interesting flower. Amen. Can you imagine? It takes so much faith when you look at those flowers to believe that the universe started from the chaotic goo and changed into the zoo and become you. It takes so much faith to believe that. Amen? People believe in evolution, but there is no proof at all scientifically in evolution. If evolution is true, they should be able to redemonstrate as a lesser degree. For example, if you believe in Big Bang hypothesis or the evolution thing, you should be able to bring some metal materials together and blow it up and explode it. And after you close your eyes, after explosion, you open your eyes. Wow, beautiful Lexus. <laughs> Brand new. But it doesn't happen first time. So you try again. You get all the metal come together, blow it up, and you expect to see a nice beamer. You can try one million times, but it will never become a nice beamer, a beautiful Mercedes or Beamer or Lexus. My dear brother and sister, when you look at those flowers, when you look at the universe, the detailed design, you know that there must be somebody who has very high intelligence who created them. And I tell you, everyone on this planet Earth, whether believers or non-believers, going to find out one of these days that there is the creator. I'd rather find out now. Because if I don't accept the creator now, on that day when I meet him, it will be too late. I'd rather believe in the creator now. And I tell you right now, a lot of smart people in the world believe in the creator. And many scientists already proved that evolution was totally a lie. It's just a hypothesis Never been proven. You've never seen half monkey and half man at all throughout thousands of years of man history. Amen? So, we're going to believe in the creation. And we can fully declare, God, you are real. I believe in the Almighty God. Why? Many people don't believe in God. Because in order to believe in God, you need to start from your heart. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But without faith it's impossible to please God, to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In order to believe in God, in order to experience the reality of God, just like me, I experienced for 38 years now that God is so real. In order to experience His goodness, the first thing we need to do is to have a heart of searching, seeking for God. That's what happened to me in 1980. I began to search for God when my brother-in-law told me about Jesus and the Bible. And then a Thai Airway international airline pilot told me that the Bible is the word of God and showed me many evidences in the Bible that God is real. After I heard that, 
my heart start to open and seek after God. I was searching for God, and when I searched for God, He revealed Himself to me. He become more real to me, and my faith rise up, and. I even have more experience. The more faith you have, the more experience you have. Amen. I heard last Friday in the revival service, God touched somebody, and the back pain was gone. This morning, I got the light from a lady who came on Friday night. The Holy Spirit touched her, and she was drunk in the spirit on the floor for one hour. She said that the demon left. All the hurt, all the bitterness are gone. God healed her that night. This is an experience, amen. We can experience the reality of the living God because we seek after God. Don't say this way: God must reveal Himself to me first, then I will believe. Don't say that I need to see God first, then I believe. No, no, no. It starts from your heart that you need to search after God, and He's going to reveal Himself to you, and then you have a little bit of faith. Then he reveal more and more faith and more faith. The more faith you have, the more experience you will have. Amen. Now the Bible continue to say because the Bible say God is able. How many people believe that there is God? How many people believe that God is able? Do you believe God is able? Okay. What is He's able to do? He's able to give you grace. Grace. The grace of God involves. Both receiving gifts and giving gifts, receiving the grace of receiving and the grace of giving—that's what Apostle Paul talk about in the Bible. By grace I receive gift from him, and by grace I can give the gift to other people. The grace of God involves every single area of our life, including. Materials and finances. Second Corinthians chapter eight and chapter nine, the apostle Paul emphasized the grace in the area of money and materials. But actually, the grace of God includes everything, including your job, your education, your marriage, your family life. Every day, I depend on the grace of God to build my family. I depend on the grace of God to see my kids doing well. He is able to make all grace. About mean a lot more than enough toward you and me, and the result of depending on the grace of God is that we always having all sufficiency, not lacking sufficiency, in all things, not only something but all things, and have an abundance for every good work. God give us grace and abundance, not so that we will be selfish. And we will live for ourselves and love money and material. God give abundant grace to us so that we can do good thing, so that we can do the great commission, so that people can go to Yakima to help the poor, so that we can help that family, this family, help our neighbors. We can show love to people. We receiving the grace of God to do good things. Amen. After you read Second Corinthians chapter nine verse eight, let me ask this: Does the Bible talk about lack and poverty? No. Second Corinthians nine eight talk about what abundance, abounding life. His grace can make us have abounding life. 
I know that this teaching don't look at me as a prosperity preacher. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I know that this subject is controversial in the body of Christ. Many believers think that if you want to commit to God, you need to be poor. And to, poverty is a sign of being spiritual. And I know some people believe that, but I don't believe that. This is the problem in the body of Christ. The fact is, there are crooked people every, in every section of society. There are crooked doctors, and I have seen that. Crooked police officers, crooked business owner, crooked husband, and crooked preachers. Crooked preachers will prophesize money out of your pocket into his pocket. Crooked preacher will do everything to get money out of you, and they don't care about you. But at the same time, there are good police officers. There are good teachers, good business owners, good preachers around. When you face crooked people, it doesn't mean that those crooked people will get rid of the truth in the Bible. We need to stick with the Bible. And I want to tell you one more thing. God gave us this book, the Bible. Nowadays, you don't carry the book because you hold the smartphone and you can look all the scripture in your phone. God gives us the Bible. <laughs> Some of us still use the Bible, the book. And God gives us the Holy Spirit. We need to be diligent in studying the Word of God, listen to the Word of God, stay in the Word of God. And we need to look up to the Holy Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to know the Word and we need to be led by the Spirit. What I try to say is this. If you are deceived, take advantage of by crooked preacher or crooked people. It's your fault. Because you have the book to read. Two, you have the Holy Spirit to tell you, oh, son, daughter, support that ministry. Oh, son and daughter, don't get involved with that guy. He come here for money. Son, daughter, don't support that thing. You can listen to the Holy Spirit yourself in every giving you want to give, in every spending or penny you spend. And you have the Bible as a guideline. Amen? I thank God for the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the anointing, the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we feel the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Every time I come up on the stage, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit on my skin. But sometimes we don't feel the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong about that. But He is there. He is here with us. And He is the Spirit of light. He can reveal the truth to us. He can shine the light from heaven and help us to understand every subject in the Bible. While you're listening to the teaching now, thank God He is using me to preach and to teach you the truth. And also in the internet, in the YouTube and podcast. But I want to tell you, you don't only depend on me. While you're sitting there, you can at the same time put the antenna up, your spiritual antenna, and you can listen to the Spirit of God. I tell you right now, He can speak directly to you 
more than what I say to you right now. He can reveal to you, give you understanding and light more than what the preacher is talking. We all need to depend on the Holy Spirit in the guidance of our life. What to do, what not to do, where to give, who should be our friend, who should not be our friend. Which ministry we should get involved with, which ministry we should stay away. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit will open our eyes, enlighten our eyes to see what is right and what is wrong. To understand the way of God. Amen? So we need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And when we know the truth by the Holy Spirit, the truth shall set us free in His presence. Amen? But the problem is that not everybody pays attention to the Holy Spirit. While you are in the church, some of you may be thinking about the movie you watched last night. Some of you may be thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch today after the service. Some of you may be thinking about your girlfriend, your boyfriend. You are not paying attention to him. That's why the Bible says, pay attention to my words. Incline your ears to what I am saying. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They are life to you and they are medicine to your flesh. So every time you listen to the word, you listen to the preaching, you need to incline your ears and listen carefully. People can sit in the same service, sitting in the same row, side by side. After the service is over, one person was so bored and got nothing out of it because his mind is somewhere else. Another person sit next to the first person, my life is ever changed today. God spoke to me. The truth set me free. Wow, what a wonderful preaching today. But another person, what? I don't understand what he's talking about because he's thinking about something else. He's not paying attention. The Bible says this way, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So we need to be this kind of Christian. Listen carefully to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to what he said. John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief comes in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. How many people believe that Jesus came already 2,000 years ago? Do you believe Jesus is real? The question is, why did he come to the world? Why did he come? So many people give different reasons why he came into the world. But I want to let you know from this scripture, he came into the world for one important reason, so that you will have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The question is, is there the devil? Is the devil real? According to what Jesus says in John chapter 10 verse 10. Is the thief real? Yes. The thief or the devil is real. He came to destroy, to kill, and to steal. So we should not 
be afraid of him because we have Christ who is greater than him in us. But we need to realize that he is behind every stealing, every destruction, and every killing in the world. Please don't blame God for the works of the devil. Don't blame God for every killing, every destruction, and every thing that come and destroy humanity. Sometimes you heard people say this way. You know, God killed my children. You know, God sent the storm into that city and destroyed houses. Wow, God, he's so mean. But I believe he has a good reason to destroy them. We don't understand his reason, but God is the one who sent this thing. God is the one who destroyed my family. No, 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 no. That is the traditional and religious idea. God never get involved in any destruction, any killing, or any stealing at all. Don't blame God. The person who steals from you is not God. It is the devil. In fact, God is not the problem. God is your helper. God is your answer. If you blame God, how are you going to get his help? You need to turn to him and say, God, you are my helper. You are the one who's going to help me to get out of this attack from the enemy. So when something is wrong in your life, please don't blame the Lord. He is your helper. Amen? He is the one who's going to set you free from destruction. Jesus came so that we can have life. In the complete Jewish version of John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life, life in its fullest measure. The word abundance here, of fullest measure in the Greek language, can be translated into surplus, into beyond, over, and above. And into the word excess. He's the God who makes your cup runs over. Jesus multiplied the five loaves and two fish. And there were twelve baskets full of food left over. There was a too much God. Can you imagine? All the 5,000 people and plus children and women were full but still have 12 basket full left over. And that is exactly the will of God for you and me to have a surplus life, to have a more than enough life. You may not get there yet, but believe God can get you there. Amen? You need to walk by faith. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. Genesis 26, 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year, a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Matthew thirteen twenty three. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Matthew nineteen twenty nine. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife 
or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. My question is: Can God make you reap or bear fruit or produce a hundredfold? Can He? Yes, He can. But you don't experience because you don't believe in the Scripture. You think that God is a stingy God. No, God is not a stingy God. God is a generous God. He's a God of more than enough. Imagine, a little boy came to Jesus with a little lunch box, five loaves, two fish, for his lunch. That lunch box did not weigh fifty pounds. It might be one pound. And after Jesus multiplied that lunch box, the food, he fed five thousand men, and also plus women and kids. All of them were full, whole, full. And not only that, twelve baskets full, leftover food for the that boy to take home to his mom. How many times? How many folds? If you calculate, it was about thirty thousand to forty thousand folds that Jesus multiplied that lunchbox. It was not a hundredfold, forty thousand folds. We can see the multiplication of God. Amen. Let me read one scripture and explain to you. This is from King James Version because many believers in America use King James Version. So I want to explain that people misinterpret the Bible. Philippians chapter four verses four to five. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Many believers in America use King James Version. And they read the word moderation here. I want to knock down the sacred crowd of religion right now. Moderation. Sometimes people get one scripture out and then create or build up a doctrine on one verse of the scripture. And this idea is invented by man to say this way. You know, God wants us to have moderation of everything. Moderation of the Holy Spirit. Pass a law. Don't lay hand too much. Don't have too much Holy Spirit. Don't have too much healing. Don't have too much money. Don't have too much grace. Everything must be in kind of in the middle. Not too much. Not too little. Not too expensive. Not too cheap. Everything average. I read one book with Pastor Da, very famous preacher. Write that book. We put it down right away <laughs> after we read one sentence of that book. I don't want to read anymore. That preacher say, "You know, church, you don't need too much Holy Spirit. Just moderate." When I read that, oh, okay, I'm not going to read this book because this man doesn't want the Holy Spirit. Right away. We need more of Holy Spirit. Amen. Moderation in this scripture, people misinterpret this way. Everything has to be average. 
Does Jesus say in John chapter 10 verse 10, I came so that they may have life and have it moderately. Did he say that? Did the Bible say you can be moderately healed? Does the Bible say you can be moderately blessed? Does the Bible say you can be moderately joyful? Don't laugh too much. <laughs> Moderate. Don't go banana like, <laughs> like this. No, he wants you to be full of joy, inexpressible, unspeakable, full of glory. He wants you to be so blessed that you don't know what to do with what you have and you have to give it out. He wants you to be so healed, no sickness at all, and not just healed, okay? Some people, people are healed, but still kind of, oh, I have to drag my feet to work today. I'm not sick, but I don't have strength. No, he wants you to be totally healed and have supernatural, so much strength to fly here, fly there, get to visit people and do the work of God. That is our God. Super abundant God, not moderate God. Our God is not a moderate God. How healed do you want to have? How much healed? A little bit? Moderately? No, you want completely healed. And more than enough, you have more strength to go out to do the good work. How many people want moderate joy? I don't moderate joy. I want full joy. Amen? I want more grace, not moderate grace. Great grace. More than enough. Look at how God Work with his people. Do you believe in the God of Abraham? Huh? Is this the same God of Abraham? The God of Abraham gave Abraham so many cows, so many sheep, so many goats to the point that he and Lot cannot stay together. The land could not handle what they had. That is our God, the same God that we worship. He's a God of too many fish. Do you think that God is a good calculator? Do you think God knows how much the boat of Peter could handle how many fish? Does he know how much his net can handle the fish in that net? He knows. He's not dumb. can calculate very well. But he is the God who gave Peter so much fish to the point that the net almost broke and the boat almost sunk and the apostle Peter had to call his friend hey come here I need your boat to share the, the fish together he is the more than enough God God gave Abraham a lot too many cows that they could not stay together I'm going to read that scripture if I don't read today but we read next time we need to get to know our God He's a God of too many cows, God of too many sheep, too many fish, the God of the 12 basket full left over, the God of the cup running over. He is not a God of moderation. Amen. He's a God of too much, surplus, above and beyond. We need to know our God. That is the God we worship. So don't listen to the theology of you need to have everything in moderation. In fact, this is the way we live, okay? The word moderation here 
in the King James version was misinterpreted by many Christians. In fact, this is the way we live. Listen carefully. I'm going to give you some practical point. The way we live is this: we are led by the Holy Spirit, and we must be self-controlled. Not control the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. We don't control the Holy Spirit. Some people who are against revival, lay hand, touching, laughing, falling down. They attack this kind of church that, oh, this church has no self-control. Wow, people fall down and laugh and shake. No, no, no. They misinterpret the Bible. The word self-control means control your flesh, not control the Holy Spirit. You need to control your flesh. So, moderation here, it means this way. Actually, the right word should be temperate. You need to control your flesh. I give you an example. Most of my friends have a waterfront house at the lake of Washington. Have boats. Can I buy a house at the waterfront? Yes, I can handle financially. Can I buy a boat as a neurosurgeon? Yes, but I need to be self-controlled, and I need to be led by the Holy Spirit. At one point, my family. Not Pasada, somebody else took me to the waterfront house. So beautiful, three point four million dollars, and you can have your own dock. I walk in there. Wow, so nice waterfront. I love water. And the Holy Spirit told me, "No, you don't buy this house. Too much taxes, and you will not enjoy anyway because you'll be you will be in the church a lot, and you will be in the mission field." So don't give tax to the government. Keep that money for the mission. So I came home and tell Pastor Da, "What do you think?" Pastor Da say, "I don't think so." So the Holy Spirit spoke to us. If she say yes, I have to pray more to see is that Holy Spirit or not. I mean, me, I need to fast for Pastor Da. <laughs> you need to be led by the Holy Spirit, and you need to be self-controlled that you don't do anything. Too much if God doesn't tell you to do. We can have more than enough, but you have to control ourselves. Not to love money and not to love things in the world. But if God tell you to do something, if the Holy Spirit tell you to do something, go for it fully. Amen. We want to do the best for God. Revelation chapter three, Revelation three fifteen to sixteen. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You can see the word "lukewarm" here. Actually, I want to put these two words together. Lukewarm and moderation are the same thing. Not too much preaching, please. Moderate. Oh, not too long worship, please. Cut down to ten minutes. Oh, not too much laying on of hand and the Holy Spirit in this church. That is lukewarm and moderation. And God say, if we have that idea, moderation or lukewarmness, I gonna spit you out, brother and sister. Let's go hundred percent, one thousand percent with God. Amen. We're gonna have more than enough to do the right thing for God. Amen. Don't say this way. Don't have too much. Don't have too little. Be in the middle. That is not God's idea. 
Listen carefully. If all that you have in your life is just to get by, to pay your bills, to pay your electric bill, and to eat two or three meals a day, and then that's it. You barely make it each month. You will not be able to bless other people. If our church have income that just to pay our bills here, and not thing left over, we will not be able to plant churches, do the mission. Participate in the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, flying to here and there, planting churches. We will not be able to buy equipment to produce teaching in the internet. If we believe that everything must be in moderation, and just have all that we need, just barely make it every month, not too much, not too little. How we gonna do great work for God? How we gonna go out to help the poor, preach the gospel? And build the kingdom of God. We must have way more than just enough, according to what God say in Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. How many people are serious about the business of God? Raise your hand up. Are you serious? If you are serious about the business of God, you must have some serious surplus. Listen, Ken, one more time. If you are serious about the business of God, you need to have some serious excess, surplus, more than enough, so that you can fund the end-time harvest. You can get involved in church planting, helping the poor, reaching out to the nations. The devil fight this teaching all these hundreds of years. He want to keep you poor and broke, and lack and sick. So that you cannot do the reach out, you cannot plant church, you cannot reach out to your neighbor, invite them and cook food, and invite your neighbor to come and teach, tell them the gospel. You cannot visit anybody because you have only enough money to pay your gasoline to go to work, and that's it. You cannot enjoy life. He will fight this teaching to the end, and many religious Christians will fight it too. You may lose some friend to. Believe in this doctrine of God is the God of more than enough, but I want to let you know: don't be worry about it. One day you're going to be the one who help them when they get into trouble. You are the one who have more than enough money to help them, more than enough strength to help them. You just stay with the biblical principle. Don't listen to their criticism. Amen. Hallelujah. The thief comes. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus come to give us life, and He give it in abundance to the full until it overflow. Now let me read from other scripture. When you interpret the Bible, you need to look a few verses before and a few verses after that scripture. A while ago, I read King James version, which say, "Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I rejoice. Let your moderation be." Known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Now I'm going to read from New King James Version, from verse two on. I implore you, O oh dear, and implore Sintike, to be of the same mind in the Lord. I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose name are in the book of life. Rejoice! In the Lord always, should we rejoice always? Should we always smile and laugh? 
I see your face, some of you. We should always smile, laugh. We should always rejoice. No matter what happens. <laughs> Can I hear the laughter? <laughs> Can I hear Indonesian laughter? Huh? Indonesian, how you laugh? You laugh a lot? Never end? <laughs> we should always laugh and rejoice always. No matter what happens, just laugh. Amen? Sometimes, Pastor Da corrected me. Mom, you did something wrong. I laughed. I cooled it down. <laughs> Instead of getting into trouble. Always rejoice. Always laugh. Amen? Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In NLT say, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. In NASB, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. So actually, the context of this scripture is not about moderation, about money. But it's about controlling yourself, being considerate, being gentle, be kind to one another. Don't fight. Don't stir up strife. Don't separate into groups and here and there. Just love one another. To serve God with one another with a sweet heart, with the right spirit. And that is the perfect will of God. I want to tell you at the end here. I'm going to close in prayer. God wants us to go into excess. In the anointing, in the Holy Spirit, in faith, in love, in grace, in wisdom, in the guiding of the Holy Spirit, and in finances and material. But he doesn't want us to be in excess of the flesh. It's different. Excess in the good things of heaven, but don't get into excess of the flesh. Not only that, we should get into excess of the things of God, but we should not go into the error. Error, we have to be careful. That's what happened in many revival groups in America. That the demon begin to manifest themselves in the meeting, in a different manifestation. And then the church think that that is the Holy Spirit and start to honor that manifestation. And that is the error that will quench the Holy Spirit in the meeting. We don't want errors. We want excess in the things of God. You have to be balanced and you need to understand the fine line, the excess the surplus of God, but not error. And not the excess of the flesh. Amen? Is it clear? Everyone say, be led by the Spirit. Everyone say, the Word. Everyone say, surplus. My cup runs over. Twelve baskets full of food left over. He's a God who almost broke the net. He is a God who almost sank the boat. 
He's a God of too many cows, too many sheep. He's a God of more than enough. He's a God of excess. He's a God of surplus, above and over. He's a God of superabundance. And I am a child of that God, and His will for me. That by His grace, I will receive to have more than enough in all sufficiency, in all things, so that I may abound to every good work. When you are blessed by God, remember that you are not just enjoying the number in the bank account. You're not enjoying just to see how many houses you own, how many cars you have in your parking space. No, God bless you so that you can bless other people. God bless you so that you can do the good works. I know. I came from Asian background, and in my Asian background, I was taught more. More money, work hard to death until the last day. Some people work until death on the last day, so have more money in the bank, more. But the time that that person loses the breath, they don't even spend that money. This is Asian mentality. I don't want to say other nationality, just Asian nation. I had that mentality. Now I know. It's not about accumulating stuff, but it's about having more than enough to bless others. Amen. amen. All the Asians say, "Amen." amen. <laughs> Somebody here not say "Amen." I don't see around. Can I see Asian on this side say "Amen"? amen. I notice some of you say. Can I say it out? Hear it out loud. Yeah. Louder. Yeah. Wow. We are not the citizen of this world. We are citizen of heaven. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. How many people believe God can bless you yeah. to have more than enough? And I cannot believe from the church members here and those who listen to the teaching in the live stream right now that God will put His hand on you. Anoint you to have the surplus, the excess in your life. That you don't have to worry about paying any bill. You will be controlled and led by the Spirit. You will not be controlled by your flesh. You will be temperate. You will be self-control in your flesh, and you will have more than enough to do the serious business of the Father. And God gonna use all of you to bless the nations. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is only half of this teaching. I have another half. Maybe next Sunday, I will continue to talk about Abraham, Isaac. I'm gonna give a lot of example in the Bible. Amen. We trust that this message is ministered to you. 
If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. I'm so thirsty.